Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I am Emily of Wise Woman Witchery, and today we are chatting about rites of passage. So rites of passage are something that we find throughout history, throughout cultures, in a variety of ways. And I feel like this is a really important topic for us to talk about, or just to even think about um, in our lives, because marking different points or different um different moments in our lives, different, I guess, big transitions, uh, any of that, celebrations for accomplishments, all the things that we can mark, uh, really make a difference in how we experience them, perceive them, step into our next way of being after finishing them. Uh, there's something about, you know, kind of marking a passage that allows us to I don't know, integrate, I think is the word I'm really looking for, but to integrate uh, what our past experience was and what we might have done or where we're at and how we're carrying that forward or perhaps even shedding off some of what happened before so that we can fully step into and embody this next phase. And there are a lot of ways that we use rites of passage now in present day, right? So birthdays. Every year we celebrate our birthday, uh, or or many people do, not everybody does, but many people celebrate their birthdays. And this is a rite of passage, right? It's a celebration of, hey, I made it through another year and here's what's coming next. Um, we celebrate anniversaries. So again, a marking of a passage of time, a marking of an accomplishment, um, a noting of a very special day or experience. Uh, we mark weddings right? So that transition that goes from being single to now being part of a couple that is making that commitment legally. I mean, there's so many ways to stay a couple without, without making that, um, that, that transition into marriage as a married couple. However, this is one of the ways it's recognized, you know, in so many cultures around the world. And it is also, uh, one of the ways that we recognize it legally, and now these days, right, we have this big party. I mean, many days, I'm sure they had big parties, but we have a big party. We have this big celebration. There is a ritual, a ceremony that goes along with that. Uh, there is that transition from school to graduation, whatever, whatever school it is, right? So it might be high school. It might be middle school. I mean, my niece had a preschool graduation, <laughs> but this marking of the passage of time, you graduate from college, you graduate with your master's, whatever it might be. We have some kind of ceremony or ritual to mark that event and that rite and to say, hey, now you're stepping out of that pastoral into the next one. There have been a lot of rituals, I believe, that and I've seen that have um, kind of popped up here and there throughout history that then get tossed away or lost. Uh, and there's other ones that have stuck around. So um, in Judaism, you have the bat mitzvah. So there's this celebration, this ceremony, uh, this transition from child to adult, right? Childhood to adulthood. Um, 
And we also see this in uh, Latino culture, Mexican culture, for the quinceanera. Uh, it's this huge deal. I don't know if anybody's ever been to a quinceanera. They're beautiful, right? They're these amazing parties. Uh, and the person who is turning 15, uh, when it's a girl, gets to dress up. I think maybe it's only for girls. I'm not sure. Um, actually, I don't I don't know enough. So I apologize uh, to anybody listening who might be of Mexican heritage who knows more about this than I do. Uh, I only know a little bit. And my niece is half Mexican. And on her dad's side of the family, they have these types of celebrations. So I know when she was turning 15, she really wanted to have a quinceanera. Uh, and it didn't it didn't work out at the time, but, uh, they're huge events. The girls get to wear these amazing gowns that are like way beyond any wedding gown I've ever thought about having. They're just spectacular. And there's a whole like church piece to it. And there's this whole family piece to it and celebration piece to it. And again, it's a marking of time. It's that marking of, um, moving into womanhood or adulthood. I think, I don't know if men have them. Quinceanera? I would guess not. So because of the A and the, anyway, I'm not going to go down that, <laughs> that path there. Uh, but anyway, it's this marking of time, sweet 16, right? The 16 year old birthday parties that I don't know if people have them anymore, but when I was turning 16 and even before that, there was that whole like, Ooh, you turn sweet 16, you get to get your driver's license, right? Another rite of passage another transition, another marking. You turn 21, suddenly you can go to a bar and drink here in America, or in, I think it's all over America. Uh, there may be younger drinking ages in some states, but 21 tends to be the age that we all think of. Uh, it's most common that I've heard of. So there's all these rites of passage that happen throughout our lives, and there's ritual and ceremony, and some of it is rooted in just the popular culture. Some of it is rooted in traditions around religion um, and spirituality. Some of it is rooted in a specific culture. So I'm sure there's many other rites of passage that I'm not thinking of that we might, you might be thinking of. Um, and if you are thinking of them, I'd love to hear from you. I, I'd love to hear about different traditions and different cultures and how uh, rites of passage are brought in to these. So I wanted to talk about rites of passage in relationship to womanhood and in relationship to our life cycle, right? Uh, and the reason that I want to talk about this is because I think so often this gets dropped. We have all these other rites of passage or celebrations or traditions that I was just talking about. But when we think about just the transition of moving through life, there are certain pieces that don't always get acknowledged. And, uh, you know, one of these is menstruation, right? So when a girl starts her first period, uh, there are a variety of ways that might be met. In my household, I was like, yes, I'm a woman. This is amazing. I'm so excited. I can't believe I started my period. I was so excited to get pads. I was so excited to like tell everybody and do all the things around it. And anyway, it was, just, it was very thrilling. Uh, I had been waiting for that moment to step into that. Conversely, my sister was like mortified <laughs> and did not want to talk about it and didn't even tell anybody, I don't think, uh, for a while. So part of your relationship to uh, to this stage of life can be influenced by your family, but it can also be influenced just by how you feel about it, your age. She was significantly younger than I was. I think I was 11 and she started when she was like nine, which, you know, when you're nine, not a lot of your friends are starting their periods. So it can be a little bit um, 
embarrassing. She'd probably kill me if she knew I was saying all this. <laughs> if you're out there, sister, well, actually, you probably don't care at this point. We're in our 40s. Doesn't matter. It's old game, but old hat, old information. Regardless, <laughs> my point is, even within the same household, there might be a different viewpoint on it. Uh, and, you know, it's not something some some women, girls face it with like joy. Some are embarrassed by it. Uh, you know, it just depends. And there's a lot of influencing factors that go into that. It's not just one thing. But we don't celebrate it, really, as a whole, as a culture. It's not something that gets celebrated or talked about. Um, within the community of women that I know, it's a little bit more celebrated. Uh, so there is more of an honoring around that, a talking about around it, um, you know, just a, a ceremonializing, is that a word? Ceremonial, ceremonializing around it. Um, but it, it is, it's a stage, right? So there's something really, I feel important about honoring that for young women, um, because it is this transition that's happening in your body. And it doesn't necessarily take you straight from maidenhood to motherhood, right? If we were going to use that trilogy of the maiden mother crone that we see so often popping up in pagan and, and Wiccan beliefs. Um, but it doesn't necessarily take you straight from maidenhood to motherhood, but it is a step along the way. And it is, I see it as another step in your maidenhood that is pushing you closer to that motherhood realm. Even though technically once you've started menstruating, you can become a mother. It doesn't mean you're there yet. It's just, it's a significant marker. Then we think about like, as we transition from there uh, into our later adolescence stages, and then eventually into adulthood and essentially motherhood. And we have rituals for motherhood, right? We have these things called baby showers uh, where everybody gets together and there's these, this party that happens and gifts are given and there's this honoring of the mother uh, in a variety of different ways. Some take it very um I want serious is not the right word, but I guess really focusing on the transition piece of moving from that pre-mother stage into motherhood. Um, and some people think of it as just a celebration, a party, an opportunity to give gifts um, and to prepare the mama for having this baby with, you know, the things that she will need. So it's looked at in different ways. There's, and there's a bunch of ways in between that. That's like a spectrum, right? Uh, I'm noticing I'm saying right a lot today. <laughs> Don't you know what I mean? Anyway, I'll try I'll try to back off. Once I try to back off from saying something, I might end up saying it more. We'll see what happens. Moving on or moving into motherhood, um, we then think about, okay, so what what how are we symbolizing that experience? What I know from a lot of moms that I know is that unless they are involved in a mama's group or have friends who also are moms, there is this sort of um, isolation that can come with those early days of motherhood. And especially the early days of motherhood when you're home and you're really tied to your baby who's probably nursing and everybody's tired and you're not getting out a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of support or ceremony that we see around that time uh, in the same way that we do beforehand, right? Marking that transition. So we move through all these stages. We move through uh, the experience of being a mother, if that is your path. I, I don't have kids, so I haven't moved through that path, even though technically in the age range, I'm, I'm in that window. Uh, 
but we move through that time period and and then we begin to, for those that had kids, you get to kind of that empty nest stage. So there's this time when kids are launching and leaving the home and it's another transition point. It's another, uh, really a rite of passage when they're gone that doesn't necessarily have space or get honored in our culture. Um, we don't have, we don't have a ceremony for that. <laughs> or if we do, I have not heard of it. Uh, so that's possible as well. And sometime between this motherhood time and kids leaving and then moving into our older adulthood, um, we often start to go through menopause and we move into this, this more crone age of our lives. And that also doesn't get honored as much. I have so many women in my life who are older, who are past 60, and some of them are very near and dear friends of mine. Some are um, what I call my other moms right? Like I have, I have a lot of, I collect moms, uh, and my own mother, but then I also have these other amazing wise women in my life who I get to turn to for help, advice, and friendship. Um, it's pretty cool, but I have heard them or some of them on multiple occasions talk about the invisibility that comes with age and this way that often older women are sort of ignored or not seen, uh, in the world right? And that this stage of life can be neglected or not revered. And yet it's this super enriching, wise, amazing stage of life where you get to, I don't know, I, I think most of the women that I know who are over 60 are just like, this is me, here I am. And sometimes, you know, we're still working through stuff. We work through stuff our whole lives. But there's a comfort, I believe, that I see and I feel in myself too, that as we go through um, through time, as we go through our lives, each decade, we get a little bit more comfortable in our skin. <laughs> we get a little less worried about what other people think most of the time, not always. Uh, and we gather information and wisdom and apply it in a different way. Um, in a more in-depth way than we might when we're younger. Our viewpoints change. Our big picture changes. Um, yeah. And I think we also begin to realize more in-depth the value of time uh, because we only have so much of it. And the older we get, the more we start to see, you know, our time here is limited. And so our moments are more sacred and we might take more time and reflection as we age to think about the value in that time that we have uh, versus other stages of life where we're rushing around trying to do things. So as I'm walking you through this, I'm talking about, you know, all these different stages of life and how some of them are honored and revered and how some of them aren't. And the way that rites of passage might look uh, in our culture, in our mainstream culture, and then how they might, I want to talk a little bit about how they might look for you. So, you know, if you chose to implement some rites of passage just for yourself uh, or for your community, you know, maybe you're a part of a women's circle, maybe you want to create a women's circle around you, uh, maybe you're a part of a, another community that you would like to, uh, to facilitate some, some ceremony within. And I want to talk about that. Uh, I, and I want to use an example from an experience that I've had several times, which is here in Northern California, there is something called the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium. And it's a gathering that happens or used to happen three times a year. The last few years, things have been a little funky between like fires and COVID. And 
I think there was flooding one year at the site that uh, that is normally the gathering occurs at. So I've been to this, I think, four times maybe, but it's been going on for so long. And it's this amazing event where uh, everybody comes together. It's all women that come together uh, for a weekend. And I believe it starts on Friday and goes through Monday. Uh, and during this time, there are classes offered and everybody who comes not only pays uh, to be there, but then you also volunteer. I think it's two hours that, for work. So like I've, I usually work in the kitchen, go to the kitchen, do two hours of work, prepping food, whatnot. Uh, you get three meals a day. We camp. Uh, there's happenings around the fire. There's a marketplace that happens one day. It's pretty fabulous, really. And all of the classes are really about well, women's wellness and herbs and plants. And yeah, it's um, it's a pretty spectacular gathering. Uh, but one of the big highlights of that gathering is the maiden ceremony. Uh, where everybody who is there, so it's several hundred people are there, women are there, and they gather together. And the girls who have started their cycles in the last year come into the center. They have a whole preparation beforehand, but they come into a center in the, the center and they are honored. And there are words spoken and there are actions taken um, to acknowledge and honor this transition of their bodies into this next stage. And it's witnessed by all of, I'm getting a little emotional. It's witnessed by all of these women. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful ceremony. Um, and then there is this whole singing thing that happens and the girls are led through a tunnel of all of, all of the people who are witnessing put their hands up and they're led through this tunnel of all of these women singing to them, which is also really lovely. And then there is this crone ceremony at the end uh, where the crone, the women who are the crones have this whole other piece of ceremony, honoring that and honoring those that have stepped into that role uh, in the last year. And it's really, really profound and powerful, not only because of the fact that it's just acknowledging, wow, look at these stages of life that we're moving into and acknowledging the beauty and the power of that transition that we all go through. Um, but it's also being witnessed by so by this community, this community of women. Some people know each other. Some people don't. I mean, again, several hundred women. So it's quite the group. And uh, everybody comes together in, in solidarity, I guess. And there's something very deeply, deeply powerful about that. Um, another example that comes to mind is the idea of the red tent. Some of you may have read that book uh, at some point when it came out or since. And this idea of having a gathering place for women who are menstruating to be able to come together and have this supportive, quiet, nourishing and nurturing time um, in this tent, in this space. And actually at the symposium, they do have a tent, a red tent set up uh, where you can go and be if you so choose. Um, so that's another, I don't know if that's a rite of passage as much as a ceremony or an honoring of an experience that's happening within the body. So I bring these up because these are types of things that you could actually create within your own life. You know, you can create ceremony for yourself. You can create a rite of passage for yourself. You can ask your community to hold that for you. So for example, when I got married, my women's circle did this beautiful 
a ceremony for me and I was blindfolded and I had to go to these different gates and step over different thresholds as I kind of stepped left behind this like quote single part of my life and stepped into the role of wife uh, and what that means to be in partnership with somebody committed, fully committed to, to a life with someone. It was a very powerful ceremony very powerful rite of passage, Pro probably one of the most powerful that I've had, um, you know, it just, it, and, and having it held for me was really amazing versus me putting it together. It was really like this container that I didn't even know what I was walking into. And so having, having a community of, you know, women who can hold that space for you is also a huge gift. But if you don't have that, you can absolutely do things on your own. You can create ceremony, you can create thresholds, you can create experiences. Um, you know, one rite of passage that crosses my mind right now as I'm speaking is uh, Cheryl Strayed's book, Wild. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, but about her trip on on the Pacific Coast Trail and heading out on her own and doing this hiking trip on her own on this trail and her experience of that, you know, rites of passage can be this massive, um, I'm losing my word here. There's a word I'm looking for, but they can be this, this, um, transformative experience that happens a, a catalyst. That's not the right word. Anyway, I'm going to let that go. I think you might know what I mean. It can be tumultuous, it can be uh, deep, it can be painful, it can be powerful, and in that way it can transform you, initiatory. Um, but it can also be simple. It can be as simple as taking the time to stop and and really sit with what's happening for me here and how do I want to honor that. Um, I'm thinking about a friend of mine whose daughter lost her virginity, and when she did, my friend gave her a necklace. And it was, you know, to honor that transition from, you know, being a virgin to suddenly being the sexual being in this other way. And it was, it's beautiful. I think that's, I think it's an important, so this is my bias. My bias is, I think it's really important to honor these transitions and these moments in our lives uh, because they, they are transformative. They make us shift from who we were a moment before to who we are now stepping into. And again, sometimes we're leaving things behind and sometimes we're taking them with us. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about this and, you know, bring this idea, I guess, to the forefront. And if you happen to be thinking about transitions that are happening in your life or transitions that you are wishing you had honored, it is never too late to create ceremony around something that happened. Uh, it's, you can honor your first menstruation when you're 60. You can honor, you know, your rite of passage into motherhood or into adulthood or, uh, you know, into your sexuality, whatever it is at any point along the way, whether it's the day of, or, you know, 40 years later, those pieces of us still live in us and we can create rites of passage. We can create ritual and ceremony to honor them at any point because they are still there to be worked with. As I'm saying this, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm moving my hands. If you're watching the video, then uh, you know what I'm doing, but I can feel that inside of me. All the pieces of who I have been at any given point along the way are still here with me. 
yes, I've cast some away and shed them away, but that experience of shedding, that experience of transition still lives here and it can still be worked with. And I think that's a really, um, I use the word powerful a lot in during this chat, but it is really powerful and, and transformative. Also another word I'm using a lot. So rites of passage, powerful and transformative, <laughs> right? Both, both things. Uh, and again, as simple or as complicated as you want to make it, not complicated, but elaborate, I guess, uh, would be a better choice of words there. So you can create a simple ritual by lighting a candle or creating a threshold that you step across, creating sacred space, stepping across that threshold. Or maybe you go out and you do a solo journey for a couple nights in the wilderness. Um, and if you feel like this is something you would like to do, but you need a facilitator, there are a lot of programs out there that offer different types of vision quests that could hold that container for you so that you are being held in it and not having to necessarily create it yourself. Um, and I know there's rites of passage facilitators out there too that aren't necessarily doing the vision quest version, but can help you to create ritual um, you know, help you to create a ceremony for yourself. It's something I love to do with people. I, I do this a lot uh, in my work as a therapist, just helping people come up with rituals for themselves to honor transitions. Um, other transitions that, you know, don't always get honored are the transition of moving from life into death. And, you know, some people know when that's coming. And so they do create ceremony or ritual or, you know, a plan around what that looks like for them to make that transition. And then also what that means for the people they leave behind. Um, other times we don't know when that's happening. And so those of us that are left behind will create some type of ritual around honoring that. That is also an honoring of a rite of passage, whether, you know, it's, it's the right. Let me rephrase that. It's the honoring of the experience of transition that those that are left behind have when, when you are the person who is still living. Um, if you are the person who might be dying, you know, sometimes people with terminal illnesses will create, um, we will create a ritual or a ceremony or a party around, around their passing before they go so that they can participate and be a part of it. Again, rites of passage pop up in all different stages of life. And I feel like it's a really important thing to honor them and to create them for ourselves, to honor ourselves and our experience, because really we only get to do this particular life once, regardless of what you think happens after we are in this moment, in this body right now, one time and, uh, and making the most of it and honoring every moment that we have and every transition we have really allows us a deeper sense of presence. Um, and that's my word for 2021 for myself is presence, being present in the moment, present in all things, present in my body. And uh, I feel like ceremony and ritual around these different transitory moments provide that as well. They provide a deeper sense of presence. So uh, I am talking about all of this and I want to just remind you all that, uh, you know, I mentioned the maiden mother crone and I talked a little bit about some of those different phases in our lives uh, as women and how those could potentially be acknowledged. And uh, I am teaching a class 
the, about the maiden mother crone and it is a part of i'm teaching a month-long class it is part of the priestess path and if you want to learn more about that you can go to uh, wisewomanwitchery.com and check out the link there for uh for maiden mother crone correspondence course and yeah come come learn a little bit more <laughs> about about these different stages in your life and the different correspondences in nature that that sink in sync up with um with these different phases and uh yeah take the time to honor them thank you for joining me this week today a little pop-up pop-up chat uh if you're watching the video and for those of you listening into the witch next door i'll be back next week next week i will be back with veronica uh and i look forward to connecting with you all then be well thanks for tuning in to the witch next door you can help others find us by subscribing to and rating this podcast if you're interested in supporting this work, you can do so through the Anchor support link in our description. And if you're ready to dive a little deeper, hop on over to wisewomanwitchery.com and check out the Wise Woman Witchery Diving Deeper monthly membership group. The details and sign-up link are available there. And remember, you are magic. Embrace it. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.